Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The GAA Championships continue this Saturday live on Sky Sports. What a game in prospect. It's crunch time as Waterford take on Clare in the GAA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship from 2.45 live only on Sky Sports Mix. Game on. Find out who will progress to the All-Ireland semi-finals. What a finish. Be inside the game with all live GAA games available for all Sky customers at no extra cost. That's unbelievable. Sky Sports. Feel it all. Antonio Dominguez is an ordinary man with an extraordinary talent. The fastest piano key hitter in the universe. 824 key hits in under 60 seconds. Bravo, Antonio. Your obsession with speed has led to something extraordinary, and so has ours. Ireland's fastest broadband network has just got even faster. One gig broadband from Virgin Media, now available to 97.5% of our network. See virginmedia.ie. Virgin Media. Bring on amazing. Subject to location and availability, T's and C's apply. Ireland's fastest broadband network based on analysis by Ookla of speed test intelligence data Q1 to Q2 2020. See virginmedia.ie forward slash proof. Truth Seeker and or its affiliates are not responsible for any strange phenomena that may occur during or after listening to this podcast, which may include the following. Heightened senses of awareness, psychic abilities, UFO sightings, alien contact, time loss, out-of-body experiences, ringing in the ears, ESP, lucid dreaming, increased synchronicities, astral projection, telepathy, stronger intuition, levitation, miraculous healings, and or remote viewing. Please be advised to listen won't you come, come and take me
are now locked into the Truth Seeker Podcast. Gargoyles, psychics, everything's ungodly. Dark savage. Streaming live at truthseeker.com. She's not a Christian. Give it up, y'all. Your portal to the paranormal, esoteric, and all things spiritual. She's tampering in dark savage stuff. And now, your host, Truth Seeker. Yo, what is up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Truth Seeker. This is the Truth Seeker Podcast. Got another exciting episode planned for you today. We're going to be talking about all things spiritual. We relate everything back to spirituality somehow. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to be talking about kind of a popular subject. And uh, we're going to get this man's take on it. We're going to be talking about Jezebel. And uh, my good friend Brian Godal was here. We're going to talk about his new book. It's going to be really good. Make sure that you stick around. want to let everybody know that the phone lines are open as well. If you'd like to call in, have a question or comment, the number is 251-263-0001. Call in with your questions or comments. We'll take your call. Um, can't go any further without saying a huge thank you to uh, all the supporters who make this podcast uh, a reality. This is a listener-supported show, and um, thank you guys for co-creating with me and, and birthing this, because this doesn't exist without your help. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, everybody who is supporting my work via Patreon. Um, if you would like to support, there's different tiers and levels of giving, and you unlock cool stuff with each level. So go to patreon.com backslash truthseeker. There you get access to my entire discography of music, which is like 200 plus songs. You get access to songs before they're released to the public. Uh, our Thursday night School of the Mystics, which is the community aspect to what we, we building, we're building here with a hangout and like-minded people and discussion and all that kind of stuff. So 7 o'clock every Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m., we do the School of the Mystics. You get access to that for any level of giving my meditations bunch of really cool stuff check it out patreon.com backslash truth seeker also my uh new book is here it just turned two months old spirit realm angels demons spirits and the sovereignty of god forward by jordan maxwell if you haven't picked up a copy yet make sure you go check it out on amazon check it out today you can just go to truthseeker.com and check the link there um but we're really not here today to talk about my book we're here to talk about my friend's book Brian Godawa just released a new book, Jezebel, the Harlot Queen of Israel. Brian, welcome to the podcast, man. It's your third time here. What's going on? Woo-hoo. Hey, thanks for having me on, Derek. Uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited about this new one. Uh, uh, my fans are saying it's my best yet, so that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's good stuff, man. So this is a good one. Like, I, you know, I like I like the spiritual stuff. I like the the gods, the demons, the angels, and all of this kind of stuff, and spirits. And I think that Jezebel, um, it, I think it's a good place to start with with with, with the uh, Chronicles of the Watchers, if you will. So I think Jezebel's a good one to to kind of kind of knock out, man. Yeah, absolutely. You you mentioned that it's the first in the series, Chronicles of the Watchers, and the uh, premise is based on it. I'll, I'll start with a big picture in terms of um, uh, I've written two other best-selling series called Chronicles of the Nephilim and Chronicles of the Apocalypse, and this is Chronicles of the Watchers, and they all work within the same sort of biblical universe of, like you mentioned, gods, demons, angels, and, and such, and how does that all work in, in relation to biblical monotheism and such? And so I'm telling those stories, and the, the, uh, the original premise of, of um, Chronicles of the Watchers is connected to Chronicles of the Nephilim in that they both dr- address this issue of the Watchers. And what are the Watchers? Well, 
there's a lot of uh, folklore and a lot of legends and all that kind of stuff and a lot of fiction uh, that that rises up around the notion of the watchers but the idea basically comes from the Bible and you know you you the term is actually used by Daniel and I think it's um, I think it's Daniel 10 or so and he talks about how there are watchers over these nations and they call them the prince of the prince of Persia Persia the prince of Greece and the Prince of Israel and the Prince of Israel is Michael, which is traditionally known as Michael the Archangel. So he's like the prince over Israel. What does that mean? Well, the notion is that uh, and scholars will tell you that that word for prince in Hebrew is not an earthly prince, Sar. It's actually a heavenly prince or a spiritual prince. So there there are these these um, the, the notion that's happening there in Daniel that we read about is the idea of these over over each of the nations there are territorial authorities or principalities the new testament calls them principalities and powers and the idea was that um over in the ancient world all people believe this even the jews uh they believe that 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 um over the nations there were uh territorial authorities so that when you had a earthly king or a kingdom there would be a spiritual or heavenly authority over it. And they would often link these authorities, uh, the spiritual entities to, to uh, stars and the, and, and the planets and stuff, such like that. So there's this very um, fluid sort of imagery that, that, that is around this notion. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and there's not a lot in the Bible about the Watchers explicitly, other than, say, those Daniel passages. But there, we draw uh, the concept of it comes out from a lot of passages. And the, 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 the two predominant ones that I can refer to are Psalm 82 and Deuteronomy 32. And in Psalm 82, we read about the council of the gods that, that sits around Yahweh's throne. And, of course, you know, um, yes, I know that Judaism is a monotheistic religion. So when it uses the term gods, it's not the same. It's not really the same way that we use. When we say the word God, we automatically think of, you know, the God, the creator God, you know, sovereign, all knowing, all powerful, all that kind of stuff. And no one created him, that kind of a thing. And um, but the, when the Bible uses the word gods, it's more a generic term that you, it references beings of the spiritual realm. So, for instance, angels were considered Elohim, um, uh, spirits of, of dead people like yep. uh, King um, – who was it that came up from the dead? That, Samuel. That, yes, Samuel came up from the dead. Right, He was called an Elohim. God, yeah. So Elohim is basically spiritual – spiritual beings in in the bible and of course yahweh is the elohim of elohim so he's like the god of gods so that notion of god it's not polytheistic in in the jewish construction of it it's not polytheistic but it is definitely they are divine beings and where do they come from well they they come from god's throne and psalm 82 talks a, a lot about this where they they are basically the heavenly host of of Yahweh, <clears throat> where, which you know, the word angel is what most English users use of these terms, and that's technically angel is a term that is more of a status or a, a, a 
a responsibility. It means messenger. So angel is a generic term and it's not really as accurate because there are different level beings in the spiritual realm in the Bible. We've got the cherubim and the seraphim who are throne guardians. And those are wild, bizarre creatures we won't talk about right now. (laughs) And then you've got uh, sons of God and the sons of God in the Bible are the heavenly hosts that surround Yahweh, and they are also his um, warriors, right? And then below that, <clears throat> you've got like, you know, evil spirits and such. And, and oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then, of course, within there is also the watchers. And these watchers are our sons of God. So, um, so just in setting up this picture, then they've got this notion of the territorial powers. And so the idea was that whenever a... Uh, a nation was at war with another nation or, uh, you know, a city, it was, they understood that there was also a war going on in the heavenly realm. And, you know, you see this come out in various biblical passages as well. Like I mentioned, Daniel, uh, when Persia and Greece were sort of fighting things over, they, those territorial authorities were also fighting. So that, that's the notion that's going on there. Now, where does this come from? Like, who, who made this up? What, what does this mean? Uh, is it just a mythical or is it real? Well, again, it comes from, from the Bible. And so um, Deuteronomy 32 is the other passage that, that if you look it up, 32, um, 8 through 10, verses 8 through 10, I think it talks about how at the Tower of Babel, after the flood, mankind is still evil, Right. God destroys the world, starts it up again, but lo and behold, within a few whatever centuries, I don't know, you've got mankind unifying in in evil to build a temple that was was basically a stairway to heaven where the gods would come and, and, and commune with humanity. It was a ziggurat, basically, right? So the Tower of Babel, it represents this unity of evil to deify mankind, so to speak. And God stops it. And how does he do it? By by confusing the languages and creating the 70 nations, the 70 nations you read about in Genesis 10. So biblically speaking, the, the Jews understood themselves, as the, 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 the world as, as comprising of about 70 nations and of Israel. And in Deuteronomy 32, it says that when God, at the Tower of Babel, when God uh, separated the tongues and the nations, he, he allotted those nations to the authority of the sons of God. And but to 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 himself, Yahweh allotted Jacob or Israel. So he's basically saying all the Gentile nations are under these author- these sons of God as their authorities. But Yah- uh, I Yahweh am, am the God over Israel. And and uh, where what's that all about? Well, I th- I think that you know, and I've done studies on this in my book Psalm eighty two, which is also on Amazon. I I detail it in much more detail, but. The idea was that, you know, before the flood, sons of God from God's throne, these were basically angelic divine beings, and some of them fell to earth, and they they mated with human women and bore them the Nephilim, which were giants and strange hybrid. Basically, whatever, all that strange, bizarre stuff that's going on there is essentially that these fallen watchers violated God's separation of holiness. In other words, the notion was creation was separated. Land was separated from water. Woman was separated from man. And the heavens 
and gods were separated from humanity, but by coming and mating with humanity, they were violating that holy separation. That's the, I think that's the theological principle that's going on in Genesis. So they're, they're fallen creatures. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So after the flood, when, when mankind's evil again and just you know, unifying evil, God basically says, okay, you're going to keep worshiping these false gods. I'm going to place you under their authority and see how you like it. It's sort of like saying, okay, I'm going to let the mob take over and we'll see if you like it. Right. And so consequently the Jewish understand was that the Gentile nations were under, uh, uh, under the authority of, of, you know, basically demonic beings that were the gods. And my premise of my Chronicles, the watchers is I thought, you know, what if the, the, the gods of the ancient world, what if they weren't just myth? What if they were real beings, but they were these fallen watchers over the, the territories, right? And, and maybe they were masquerading as false gods. So consequently, you've got where they you know draw worship from humanity to draw them away from Yahweh. That's sort of the, the big storyline that's going on. And so I thought, well, um, you know, if you know about the ancient world, like take, for instance, Babylon, you've got... King uh, Marduk, who's the king of the gods, and maybe he's a territorial spirit of Babylon. You've got Asher over in Assyria. And then in Canaan, you have various deities. Baal, the storm. Well, actually, you've got El. El was the, was the supreme god. But their notion of El was really more like an old man who sits on his throne and just watches everything. <laughs> He doesn't really do anything, and he kind of gets drunk, and, and uh, you know, he's sort of— There was legends like, about El being at the top of uh, Mount Sinai. Yes, yes. But but anyway, so El is sort of a passive deity, but he's the supreme— and uh, Baal is the storm god of Canaan. He's the one that brings the rain and the fertility of the land and such like that, because, of course, that's how they lived and survived. And Baal had an escort, had several escorts. One was Ashtart. Another was Anat, his sister. And there's a third goddess called Asherah. Asherah was the actually the wife of El. And so the storyline in Canaan is basically that Baal sought to have supreme position in the pantheon just under El. So he rose up and, and um, built himself a house, and Asherah basically convinced El to let Baal build his house and all that, and Anat, his, his uh, warrior sister, helped him. And so there's, that's kind of the storyline going on in, in, in Canaan. And, I, and so I thought, well, I'm going to retell these biblical stories with, uh, with an eye towards telling the spiritual 
uh, stories as well. So as I'm telling the Jezebel story, I'm also telling what might it, what might the heavenly world look like at the same time. So I've got these various gods like Baal and Asherah, and like I said, they are these fallen watcher deities, and and they are trying to jockey for power and over the uh, Canaan. And don't forget, God told the Israelites to, you know. Uh, take over can disinherit the Canaanites. So they they're still in the process of doing that. And so consequently it's a battle of gods between Yahweh versus Baal, the storm God. That's kind of how I, how I depict it. And that's that's So that's the basic premise. And eventually the series will spread out into other nations. Like uh, the second novel I have is already out. We won't talk for at length on that one, but it's called chin dragon emperor of china and in that one i go into the history of china and you know yeah there will reptiles. there will be dragons <laughs> what's that all all the reptiles and the iconography and uh, statues yeah. in china and things like that sure. the dragon again like you said yeah and, and i rooted in history as well and and i tell the story of the first emperor of china the dragon emperor and he was a very fascinating uh, guy he was a tyrant who sought after eternal life and I bring in how that's connected to the Tower of Babel and the Magi and all that kind of stuff. So, so that's, that's where the series is going. There will be some biblical stories yet to begin with. And then ultimately, I hope to spread out to other nations. So, so that's the premise of the big series. You know, let me, uh, let me ask you this just because you mentioned it right quick and, uh, and you got a book on it. But, um, I got a, a comment, uh, yesterday, I think it was or the day before, um, on my Michael Heiser excerpt about Psalm 82. And uh, the the person just kind of painted this long story uh, saying that Psalm 82 and the, and the divine council of the Elohim that were there, the council of the gods, were, they were trying to say that those were uh, regular people who like uh, carried the law and God uh, used to bring the law to Israel. And, that, and like the mention of those people there, those gods were actually people. Have you ran into that or, or yes. looked into that at all? Yes, that is the dominant view in Christianity um, un- until now, and it began with Augustine. Before Augustine, th- um, most church fathers didn't, they believed those were spiritual beings. Excuse me here, got a little bit of morning yawning and such. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, but then Augustine, because Augustine came from a pagan, um, and, you know, he actually came from a very mystical background. So he was reacting against what he, you know, what he converted from. And he and so he's the one that sort of began the idea that these sons of God are, are just, uh, you know, earthly kings who thought of themselves as gods. Or another interpretation is they were earthly rulers and judges who, who are meant to judge people. But the problem with that is and, and Michael Heiser does pretty much demolish that argument um and he's got a website where he's he's got free articles oh, yeah. where he goes more in depth into the art the objections and his website is um just michael heiser you know michael s heiser.com dr msh.com i think divine council and he's got a whole website just for the divine council yes stuff too. yes really and he yeah. He's the master, the scholar of, of that. But just briefly, the idea is that there's there's several things that are going on. If you look, if you do a study of the phrase sons of God, you'll see it's actually, you know, what does that mean even? You know, does God have sons? You know, is that just a metaphor? 
But the thing is, is everywhere it's used, it's a technical term. It's, you know, we can say, I can say like, you know, I'm a son of God or whatever, because I'm born of, you know, faith in Christ or whatever. But, but the sons of God in the Old Testament is a very specific technical term. And, and if you look it up, it always is used in reference to heavenly beings around God's throne. And so consequently, these cannot be human judges. And for example, Psalm 82 right there, then and there, it, it, it starts out, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, Elohim, he holds judgment. And so if you say that you're using the term gods of, of people, well, the problem is, is that concept Everywhere it's used, there are heavenly beings around God's throne. Now, in the, there are some less explicit passages, like maybe this sentence, you might say, well, it could be either, right? But if you look at elsewhere, you see, oh, it's always used in reference to, to heavenly. So, for example, there's, a, there's a, a, a companion psalm called Psalm 89. And in Psalm 89, it continues to talk about this heavenly council and the holy ones around God's divine council. And here's what it says. Psalm 89, verse 5, let the heavens praise you in the assembly of your holy ones. Well, where is that? Is that on earth or in heaven? For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? And of course, that word heavenly beings in English is actually the word uh, bene. Let's see, who, who among the, I'm looking up the Hebrew here to make sure. Um, I believe that's B'nai Elohim again. So uh, to be feared in the council of his holy ones, etc. So it's in the skies. It's not on earth. That's the point. And their notion is in the heavenlies, this divine council of holy ones, of heavenly beings, of Elohim is in the skies. So, you know, you do have to sort of do an extensive Bible study to really tease this out and, and understand what's the bigger context. But um, yeah, the, 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 the idea that there are human judges that are called gods in the Bible, it actually, there's no actual explicit passage where that is that is yeah. happens in the bible so i argue that it's not it's not human judges for sure yeah and so it's i think those beings. same people would say genesis 6 was talking about you know uh regular men who came down the sons of of, of cain is it uh yes you know, calling them the son and then you have the sons of god that, that, yes. that whole argument but but then again getting into the new testament and and and, and understanding spiritual warfare you know it kind of like the old is the new uh the new is the old revealed and the old is the new sealed so we're kind of getting a spiritual glimpse even in some of the passages in the in the new testament teaching about spiritual warfare and a lot of uh, about what that stuff meant principle principalities, powers, all of that stuff kind of is explained in the New Testament, right? Some of these obscure verses, if you will. Absolutely. In fact, in fact if I can give you an example, one more to, to stay on this topic, because it is so interesting, is um, in that Psalm 82, God says to these uh, people in the divine council, the creatures, whatever they are, he says, I said you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. So God's going to judge these. But think about it. If, if he's saying you are gods to men, nevertheless, you'll die like men. That's weird. That's contradictory. It's, it's like, uh, it's non sequitur. But if they are divine beings, they are gods. Nevertheless, God is going to judge them like human men, right? And they're going to die like human men. Yeah. Then there's a contrast that makes sense of the passage. And one step further is, 
course, uh, readers of the New Testament will recognize that that's where John, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus quotes this verse in John 10. And he, Jesus says he's being questioned by uh you know, the, the Pharisees, you know, and they says, you, you know, you, you're being a man and you make yourself out to be God. And Jesus says, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent in the world? You are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. So think about this. If that passage of Psalm 82, if Jesus saw that as being human men are called gods, then what he would be saying here is nonsense. He would be saying, well, look, he would, he, Jesus would not be claiming to be God on earth. Yeah. He would be saying, well, look, uh, there are other human men that are called gods. So I'm yeah. calling myself a God doesn't make me a God. It just makes me a man. That's what he'd be saying. See? I know, I know it goes but, against the, the, you know, the premise of the book and the understanding and even my understanding of what I, what I believe, because it's definitely, you know, along the lines of what you believe with this. But it, okay. it's kind of interesting to, to think about. I'm just thinking about it here. It's almost like there was a, a belief in, and, and maybe you've heard of this. I don't know, but it almost seems like whoever believes this maybe thought that the patriarchs were, um, immortal like they were gods here until they sinned like like moses and elijah and enoch and all these guys they 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 could live forever until they sinned against god and then god like declares that you can die have you looked into any of that at all because you know we're talking about some of these people living you know 900 years and stuff it's up you sin now it's time to it's time to go back you know what i'm saying it kind of paints a weird picture that i've never i've never really looked into but it's kind of interesting to to talk about yeah, I, I haven't heard that myself, honestly. Yeah. And, and um, but I would I would say this. I I tend to get my you know my views about this you know about these this world it comes from the scriptures. And if you can show me in the scriptures, I'm not aware of anywhere that it says that. So I'd be happy to interact with anyone who would want to show me where it says that in the Bible. I'm not you know. So I would say it's yeah. not there. But but hey, I'm I'm open to listen to what an, anyone can point out yeah, and yeah, we can yeah. discuss these things. But no, I, I haven't heard that before. But <clears throat> but the idea here is that um, so. Jesus clear and evangelicals, you know, Christians of all ilk, believe that Jesus is clearly saying he's the Son of God, as in a, a divine being, that he is God in the flesh, and his argument wouldn't make sense if the gods of Psalm eighty-two were human. It would be the contradiction of him claiming to be divine. So um, there, you know, we could go on and on, but that that yeah. that's the that's the sort of picture that I'm definitely operating on. And again, if people want to hear my arguments, I interact with the Sethite theory, uh, the human judges theory in my book. Uh, another book um, called uh, When Giants Were Upon the Earth. And in that book, I go into biblical arguments about the sons of God and about the Nephilim and all that. So um, there's a lot out there on that stuff. But yeah, and, and to be frank, Heiser is is the, the, the great scholar to go to for that kind of stuff. But I'm the great popularizer. <laughs> I, I write it in a way that also sure. connects with other people who are, you know, who maybe... Whatever, for whatever reason, entertainment, uh, uh, you know, yeah. o- o- other theories and things like that. So yeah, yeah. You know what I'm and if I, in fact, if I could, 
if I could bring another one in on this right now. Now, I do draw uh, some references from the Book of Enoch. And of course, the Book of Enoch, I'm sure your your listeners are familiar. Um, it's not considered... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Scripture by the church tradition, and, and uh, I don't consider it scripture. However, um, I do give it great respect that has been lost in church history because of you know various biases and such that um, the New Testament quotes extensively and shall we say draws extensively from Enoch, even quotes it explicitly in a couple of cases and draws from the language and from the theology of Enoch. <clears throat> and so therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, if the Bible draws from it, then I, that means it has great respect for it. So I have great respect for it. Some people then conclude that therefore it should be scripture. I don't, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I still believe you can draw truthful things from it and, and weigh it against other things, right? So in the book of Enoch, we, we definitely, the first book, the book of first Enoch, we read more extensively about these watchers and what they did before the flood, before they were judged. So I definitely do draw from that picture as well, yeah. which is also another, uh, again, this is Orthodox Christian. I'm an Orthodox Christian, but we just, I think that we're on the cusp of, of historically of Christians sort of opening their minds from, from a history of being closed-minded uh, ignorantly of other traditions and of other source materials um, out of fear. You know, they, they say, oh, nothing else can be true, only the Bible. And that's, of course, ridiculous. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean everything's true. <laughs> you know, I, whatever myth I read, it's true, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, in fact, that's what I do is in the book Jezebel, and I've done this in my other series as well, I draw from the Canaanite mythology of Baal. And I, I, I make it part of the story. And my, my approach is, is called subversion. In other words, I'm subsuming everything underneath this biblical Christian worldview. And so that even the notions of the pagan world of Canaan uh, are ultimately, as, as I would put it, submitted to the worldview of the Bible. So, for example, in the, in the myths of Canaan, there's a story that they that that they use to express the fertility cycle of the land for harvest and such, right? From working from home lunches to meltdown midweek dinners, this year our local takeaways have been there for us. Now you can be there for them. The Just Eat National Takeaway Awards are back to support restaurants when they need it most. Nominate your favorite local restaurant and you could win free takeaway for a year on Just Eat. TNC Supply see National Takeaway Awards. Justeat.ie for details. If you're looking for a better tomorrow, start heading for it today. 
At Toyota, we started to look ahead over 20 years ago when we built our first self-charging hybrid electric cars. Now, Toyota hybrid drivers are reducing harmful emissions and making a real difference. Thanks to them, the best-selling car in Ireland today is a Toyota hybrid. And as more drivers join us, we'll all help to shape a brighter future together. Toyota. Built for a better world. Hey guys, really quick, my good friend Tark Bibby, aka Indigo Prophet, wanted to gift you guys an exclusive free gift, his full-length album entitled Not For Sale by going to TarkBibby.com. It includes a dope track and video that I did with him called Karma. Here's a sample of the track. Conspiracy, no theory. Illuminati, blue bloods. Be lies and they will use. Just be truth and they will shoot ya. Money's been invested in keeping you infected. With venom that's infectious. It's keeping you where hell is. Banks are stay protected. Chosen few selected. Manifest in the flesh like Christ resurrected. See life with different lenses. Then you will comprehend it. We are one consciousness experiencing itself. And life is just a dream. So there cannot be death. We are just the imagination. Not only do you get the free album, but you also get a free money manifestation MP3 to help you thrive from your gifts, talents, and abilities. It's really cool. Head on over to TarekBibby.com. That's T-A-R-E-K-B-I-B-I.com. You're listening to the Truth Seeker Podcast. Now, back to the show. And so since Baal is the storm god, the god of fertility... He brings the rains for the crops, right? And they lived and died by the rains, right? So, so there's a story that Mott, the Lord of Death from, the, from Sheol, captures Baal, brings him down and, and, and makes him a prisoner in, in Sheol or Hades. And Baal's sister, Anat, she's a warrior goddess, right? And uh, she goes down and she rescues Baal, and uh, um, she cuts up Mott to a thousand pieces, burns them in the ground and scatters them, right? So she destroys the Lord of Death and she brings Mott back. And when Mott comes back up from, from Hades, that's when the harvest begins. And, and what, the, what the various uh, 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 Canaanites would, they had a famous saying, and it's in the Baal epic. Ba- the Baal epic is a, a, the ancient mythological text that we found at Ugarit and it goes back thousands of years and and it and and they they yell out where is Baal where is Baal you know because he's gone because they're in the you know the winter or, you know fall right and so when Baal comes back he, he brings the rains and he brings the harvest so that's sort of the fertility myth right so I actually incorporate that story into my story and tie it to the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel so if, you know, uh, to, to um, you know, update your listeners and maybe they know the story, it's the, one of the most famous stories is um, there's a, uh, it, okay, let me back up. Jezebel is a princess of Tyre and we're in the ninth century BC Israel. The two kingdoms are, uh, of Israel and Judah are split or, or um, I'm sorry. Um, I lost my thought here. Yeah, Israel and Judah. And um, so you've got Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And in the south, Jerusalem is the capital and they have the temple of God. In the north is Israel and the capital is Samaria. 
and they're 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 not they're at odds with each other, right? And so what happens is the Syrians or the Aramaeans in the north are different words for the same people. Uh, they're <coughs> excuse me, they're founded in the capital city of Damascus, and the Syri- the the Aramaeans are at war with Israel. So Israel uh, creates a treaty and becomes allies with Phoenicia, which is ty- rooted in Tyre, and they seal the deal with a marriage. You know, like Game of Thrones, right? And uh, so the marriage is Princess Jezebel is the uh, the daughter of the king of Tyre. She marries King Ahab of Israel. And that's the story I'm telling and, and how that those politics comes out. And then, um, but what happens is that Jezebel brings Baal worship into Israel. And of course, Israel was only supposed to worship Yahweh. She brings Baal worship such that she ends up building a temple to Baal in Israel, which is just unheard of, right? And um, so that's, that's, that's what, what's going on spiritually, right? And interestingly, though, people, uh, many Christians have a naive understanding, I think, uh, I, I did, of, of the Old Testament. I used to think, oh, the Jews were kind of, you know, they worshiped one God, so they were monotheists, and occasionally they fell into polythe- polytheism, right? The more I studied this and studied archaeology, the more I came to realize, no, really, the Jews were polytheists who occasionally lapsed into monotheism. In other words, they worshipped all throughout the Bible. They were always worshipping all these other gods. In fact, archaeology shows us that many of the, the, uh, the Jewish nation at that time believed Yahweh had a wife, and the wife was Asherah. Now, if you remember earlier, I said that Canaanites believed Asherah was El's wife. So, so there's syncretism going on here. And, and, and they're basically, you know, saying, oh, yeah, Yahweh's like El. Yahweh's El. And, and Yahweh's, Yahweh has Asherah as a wife. So many uh, Israelites actually worshipped Asherah as Yahweh's consort. So this stuff was already going on. They were already worshipping other gods. And I tried to, th- I, I wondered, what would that be like? What would life be like, you know, um, in Israel like that, where they're worshiping these other gods and they're Israelites, you know? So I tried to depict that in my novel accurately. So in comes Jezebel with Baal worship, right? And then, you know, what happens is God calls Elijah, the prophet, the first of the major prophets that are sent to call Israel back and Judah back to Yahweh. And yeah, uh, Elijah comes into Jezebel and he says, hey, I'm, there's going to be a drought on this land until I say so. And the drought goes on for three years. Why? Why? Well, if Baal is the storm god of Canaan who brings the rains, basically Elijah's saying, no, he isn't. Yahweh is. And my God's going to stop the rain until you repent. That's basically what's going on there. See? So by the time they get to Mount Carmel and it's this big showdown, it's like, whose God will both put a sacrifice on the altar and whosoever God it is that calls fire from heaven, he's the God we follow. Right. And that's the big dramatic case where you have the prophets of Baal cutting themselves and bleeding and all this calling on Baal and nothing happens. And then Elijah goes up there, he prays and fire comes down from heaven and consumes it. So it's this powerful confrontation. And I thought, well, what, 
and, and then, of course, it rains right after that. So Elijah bring Yahweh is, is the God who brings the rains, not Baal. That's kind of what's going on. So I depicted in the novel what might be going on in the spiritual realm while that's going on. And I incorporate that Baal myth where he, he's taken captive down to Shale and not rescues him and all. So you can see how I'm like integrating these, but not in a syncretistic way. I'm actually integrating them in a subversive way where my paradigm is basically the Bible. And I'm unashamed about that. And, uh, uh, I try to make sense of all these other things in, in light of that context, if that makes sense. That's very interesting, man. I can't help but but try to make the, you know what I'm saying, the syncretistic link back from this, this whole bail thing and a knot tying that into Jesus going down into, you know, hell or, you know, um, Hades or whatever and, and um taking the keys and defeating death himself and then him coming and, and rising again. Is there any correlation there with, with the stories or syncretism or? Well, um, I wouldn't call it syncretism. I would just simply say that all it is, a, it is a fact that all major religions tend to have these stories of heroes of any, of all ilk uh, who go on their journey into, into Hades. Um, it's pretty much all, all, religious belief systems have that. So uh, I think that that's a Divine reflection comedy of, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, even um, uh, so Baal goes down, you've got uh, Heracles in Greece who goes, who goes down and it's all fight. very similar, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, I have you, no can, pro- you can tie in and, and I like what you're doing. Cause you're, you, you are going to start, you know, going into these other cultures and saying, look, here's the similarities and kind of tying it in spiritually. I mean, and, and, and I, I would say that's the weakness of the Christian uh, tradition is in in these later centuries, we've been fearful of these other religions and yeah. we want to separate them from Christianity. So we deny them. We ignore them. Yeah. We don't know. You know, and, and I, I think it's hurt us. And and I think I'm, I'm, I'm willing and I think there's a new wave of us Christians who are willing to say, no, there are we should not be afraid of admitting similarities. But. There are different ways of interpreting similarities and automatically a lot of secular people or skeptics yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah. other. You or stole even, this you know, from us is what they're what pagans. They're yeah. They, they say, oh, yeah, see, you you stole it or it's all just it's all the saying the same thing. So therefore, you're no you're no you're not unique or anything like that, to which I say, no, no, absolutely not. It, that could be the case. That's definitely one argument. But it's also possible that people use common images and common language and common ideas to express different things all the time. For instance, in today's world, <clears throat> I'm a Christian and and there's maybe an atheist and we both may use references to what we know uh, of of the Einsteinian universe of quantum physics or something like that, right? And of course, you know, in 100, 200 years, quantum physics may be outdated, but we both look at the world through that way. So I'll use sci- science fiction uh, uh, to tell my stories uh, about what I believe, and they'll use it to tell stories about what they believe. True or not, fiction or nonfiction, d- d- doesn't matter. But the point is, is that we're drawing from the same sort of intellectual milieu. So we're drawing from the same languages to tell different stories with different meanings. Yeah. And, uh, and so therefore, for example, you know, the classic one is, is 
the Noah's flood, right? You know, every religion has Noah's flood. <laughs> Therefore, if you trace them all back to the oldest story, that's where it began. And, you know, Epic of Gilgamesh might be one of those stories or no, I'm sorry. There's one in ancient Sumer uh, about a, uh, uh, what's his name? His name is called Z- uh. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, Sumer has the oldest story of a, of a worldwide flood. Therefore, they all came from that. Well, that's possible. But it's also with it's also entirely likely with plenty of evidence that no, there was maybe there was a real event of a flood. And then as after that, as people spread out on the earth, they took that story with them and they spun it within their own storylines. Right. And so each like of them. We have, all, all like history. Ha- we have history now. His yeah. story. Who's ever telling it? It's at the mercy of the person. telling Exactly. It. Yeah. Exactly. So I have no no problem admitting the similarities and even realizing that maybe, you know, maybe Moses, uh, while he's writing the Pentateuch, draws something from uh, some Egyptian sources or whatever. I, I don't care. Um that the point is, is what's the theological meaning and message that exactly. that, that Israelite is communing. So yeah. I, I think I think what you're bringing up, though, it's it's a good point, and it's definitely something that needs to be dealt with. I don't think it, Christians aren't as fearful of it as they used to be, because again, uh, this notion of everything evolves out of something is it's just it's a simplistic paradigm that yeah. doesn't answer. And here's the other question: Is there's so when you've got something that's similar? You the, you look at the differences, and that's what tells you if they came from each. And sometimes the differences are so significant that they show you they could not have come from the same source. And that's what I would argue is is going on here. So yeah. yeah. So so the fact that there are these um, journeys to the underworld, come back with victory and stuff. I think that that's an express. I'm very much like C.S. Lewis in Tolkien. I think that that expresses that's in the created order the need for a uh, her- heroic being to enter death and to return yeah. with victory. I think God, the creator, embedded that into the universe, and that's why we tell those stories. I, I now, do too. Does that mean Jesus really didn't do it? It's just a story? No, I, I, you know, but I don't think – I'm more of the ilk that it's like, look, if you have problems with it really happening, fine. Put that on the shelf for the second and just <laughs> – and, and I because like, I, you know, I believe that in yeah. some way he did. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. But to me, the most important thing is the, the theological meaning and message, and, and that's the priority. But I do believe this stuff happened, but the reason why you might hear me balking is because – 
the way ancient people did history is not necessarily the same way we do history. So when we say things like, did it really happen? It's like, well, what do you mean by that? Because you've got in the ancient world, in the Bible, for example, there's lots of poetic language. And like, for instance, every time there is a fall of a nation, a city, there, the language is used. The stars fell from the sky. The, the sky rolled up like a scroll and the blood, the moon turned to blood. Well, that didn't literally happen. That's the language they used to express uh, dramatic spiritual. It was a thousand years of. Was it yeah, literally yeah, exactly. a thousand years or does that, is that an assembly? Does is that, that mean... literal? Is that. Yeah. So this obsession with literalism, it's like, okay, so does that mean that the events never happen? It's just poetic? No. What it means is they use a lot of poetic language to describe what happened. So we can't always know exactly what it means. So we have yeah. to study to find yep, that out. I think sure. we've gone a little off topic there, but. No, but it's <laughs> but, good. It all, it all ties in, though. I really do. Just thinking it in. And you're right, though, because, I mean, we have a lot of listeners who are like that. And, and, and I don't like. I'm like this, find one and practice it. When it comes to it, like your, your, uh, spiritual practice and your religion, like Christianity is, is definitely like the ancient path and all these ancient modalities. It has captured that stuff. And it's in, it's, it's still here. The, the spiritual expressions, the, you know, the allegory, the myth and all of that stuff is embodied in it. And it works. Like it works, you, you know what I'm saying? And so yes. w- when those people want to go back to Sumer or they want to go back to, you know, Baal worship or Babylon, they, like because they want to get to the original. I think we all do. Right. So we think that ours is the original. Um, it, But it, if, if it is, if it ain't, it works. If, if you want to go into the other stuff, you, there's no you don't have the spiritual practice to do that. This, all that stuff is lost. It's embodied within faith and, and, and story and myth and legend. And so to have a, a structure of, of spirituality, uh, you know what I'm saying, growth, uh, all of this stuff, like encountering God, I think it's embodied in Christianity as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, so, so I definitely I definitely come from the. You know, Orthodox Christian view, and I think that, it, you know, Jesus is the only way to know God and such. But like like yourself, I think I'm similar in that I'm like, I'm not afraid of these other religions anymore. And I, I, you know, um, I can't stop people. I can't make people, uh, you know, to if they're going to explore things, they're going to explore things. But um, and, and there is definitely deception in the world. People can be deceived oh, by yeah. their experiences. Right. A lot so of, even as these a Christian, texts come out to be like a lot of these texts were you know, forged to, to, to actually throw people off that old secret knowledge or some of this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, in fact, the Gnostic scriptures, you know, everyone tries to say, Oh, look, see how close they are to the Bible. And they were actually original scripture and the Christians rejected it because it didn't, they didn't like it. Like, no, no, actually it came like 200 years after and they were ripping off the Bible and trying to change things. And doing a bad copy. Like you can, you can read it and you're like, hold on, you're trying too hard there's either even some other books like you would want to look into like the uh urantia book like there's yeah. a part of me who that wants that to be real but i read yeah. it and i'm like man yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stuff. yeah you're yeah. trying too hard <laughs> to copy yeah, yeah. with what we already have you know yeah for sure well let, I want, oh, let's get into this a little bit so let's go into yeah. a little bit more detail uh spiritually what jezebel is i think we've painted a picture yeah. about the gods and then kind of what happens in the spirit realm and these powers that are fighting what happens uh spiritually there's there's a scripture i want to go to and i know you know the scripture but um 
even in the chat here, people are saying that they've battled. They felt like they've done battle with Jezebel or a similar spirit. And I have also have comments and, and friends who, who don't believe that that's a thing. Like you, there's people make that up to, you know, start deliverance ministries or whatever. Right. But, uh, revelations two and 20, and, uh, it says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet by her teachings. Uh, she mis- misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Um, let's see the, the King James version. Let me go down to that. It actually says that uh, because you allowed uh, it, it says that you allowed her to teach. I have this against you. You did a lot of good stuff, but you allowed her to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and things. So this is, uh, you know, the end of the Bible, if you will, you know, the, 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 the yeah. end of ages and, uh, a, a very, um, uh, timely message to churches that really existed at that time. And he, and I think a, a message to us as well, these patterns, what, when, sure. when we talk about the spirit of, of Jezebel and, and what, what it looks like for us today, spiritually as a believer, is this something that we contend with in this, in the spiritual realm as well? Yeah. Um, no, that's a great question. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Jezebel then, because there's, I think there are some misunderstandings, uh, based on these passages that people have. Um, you know, I, I'll, I sometimes use the term spirit of Jezebel. I use it by analogy. I don't, uh, there are some who believe there's a literal spirit of Jezebel or something. Yeah. I, I don't, I use it just as an analogy to express, you know, they're doing the same kinds of things she did type of thing, right? Only a modern day version, like for instance, abortion, abortion, is human sacrifice and Jezebel brought a board abortion Jezebel brought Baal worship into Israel and part of Baal worship was human sacrifice see and so I do make that connection that and I think uh uh human sacrifice uh, abortion is a form of sacrificing humans on an on an altar of convenience right so I will make connections like that by way of analogy you know um but let but me the spirit let me, is the essence and and what it kind of brings with it yeah, anyway yeah exactly but versus but a literal demon at one plate oh you know what I'm saying yeah if is there a literal demon or not I don't believe that there is but whatever if you do the 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 the, the principle is what's the what's in common what's what's the similarity and that yeah. is what's important and there are things that I think are very much like Jezebel today, you know. In fact, church members use a, you know, use it of loose women. Ah, oh, she's a Jezebel, right? <laughs> and then the secular world uh, likes to take that badge and turn it around and make it positive. So you've got the website, famous uh, feminist website named Jezebel, right? And they try to wear that as a badge of honor. Well, here's the problem. She, uh, the, the novel's called Jezebel, Harlot, Queen of Israel. And you make that connection as well in, in, in Revelation. And in fact, I think the book of Revelation is uh, a picture of two women. It's the harlot on the beast who rides the beast versus the wife or the bride of Christ. And so, and then the Jezebel is connected to that harlot as well. So there is a a, a picture wordplay that I think is going on there, but here's the, here's the thing. Um, When I use that word concept of harlot and such, and even in revelation, when it's talking about sexual immorality, it's true that pagan worship did involve sexual morality. And by the way, I have a lot of that in my novel, Jezebel. I show how f- the fertility religion included a lot of immorality. 
But I think that references into the Bible are not actually talking about the, the physical sexual immorality. Yeah. What I think they're talking about is spiritual unfaithfulness to Yahweh. And yeah. what that means is in the Old Testament and in the New, but in the Old Testament, Yahweh always called Israel, you are my wife. You are my wife. I am your husband. Over I'm and over married again. to you. I'm married, I'm married to, to the yeah, exactly. backslider. When the pro- when the, all the prophets from Isaiah to Jeremiah to Ezekiel, whenever Israel fell away from Yahweh, they always called her a harlot or a prostitute or an adulteress, right? Or a whore, because she was unfaithful spiritually to Yahweh. And so that's really what the picture is that's going on, I think, in Revelation and as well. So if you read my novel, you'll start reading it. It's like, you know, she, I don't make her, she doesn't, she's not (laughs) a a literal harlot and she's not a uh, seductress physically. She's actually a good wife to Ahab. It starts out, uh, she's, you know, listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna tell a story and have a good villain, you've got to have a certain amount of sympathy or empathy for that villain and realize that no villain sees themselves as a villain. They see themselves as the hero yeah. of their story, right? So if you're gonna be a fair, you don't make them into this like ah, I'm an evil wicked witch and I want to kill people and yeah. just for the I was sake born this way. <laughs> I was born this way. No, so yeah. my so here's the setup I have with Jezebel. She's actually a princess of a very rich uh, trade merchant nation on on the coast. They were trading with all the nations, so they were rich. They very cosmopolitan, like a New York or L.A. type of thing, right? So her understanding is she's going to become queen of this backwards, backwoods, you know. Iron Age tribe, right? And so she thinks, oh, I, I'm, I need to bring progress. I need to be a progressive. I need to bring, you know, they need to le- learn about the glories of Baal and the power of Baal because they're, they're, they're only worshiping one God. They're not getting the best out of this world. See, so from her perspective, she's bringing good. But of course, ultimately, that good involves evil and it involves yeah. child sacrifice. But even the child sacrifice, I, I explain this in my, my novel and in, in my companion book uh, that comes with it. Um, <clears throat> child sacrifice was, uh, they really believed that the gods would listen to them. And when they had a, um, a, a, a national trauma, like when there was a war yeah. or if there was a famine, uh, they, they, would, they would end up sacrificing the children and usually of nobility, actually not poor people. You would assume, Oh, get rid of the poor people. Cause they're not, you know, the people who are rich in power, they always, you know, sacrifice the poor people. Well, actually in many cases, they, they sacrifice the children of noble people as an, as an appeasement to the gods. It was the, in those, it was their responsibility to take care of the poor people. Right. So they'd sacrifice their children in order to appease the gods and stop the famine or stop the war. See, so I bring all that into the novel as well so that's what they they genuinely believe that of course it doesn't make it less evil but i'm just saying it makes it at least consistent within their paradigm and you have to be fair to that right so um so jezebel i have jezebel she's 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 in love with ahab you know i i don't have this wicked witch of the west type of thing you know and of course over time things do degenerate but i wanted it to be i wanted to show that you know she's not uh, a seductress in that sense she's a yeah. seductress spiritually and ahab ends up compromising and that's why um elijah becomes the the obi-wan kenobi he's not the hero of the story though this is what i want to bring out he's the obi-wan kenobi he's the he's the mentor who who preaches god's word but the hero of the story is actually jehu 
Because if you read the story in the Bible, you'll find that Jehu was the commander of the armies of Ahab. So he's a military warrior. And it's Jehu. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, who that, oh, yes, Elijah has a couple of confrontations with Jezebel in with the, the miracles and stuff. But ultimately, the story is about Jehu because Jehu is the man who ends up uh, getting prophesied and he he's the one who kills Jezebel and he's the one who becomes the new king to end the the uh, wicked rule of Ahab and his sons and Jehu ends stops destroys the Baal temple and stops Baal worship in Israel so you know Maybe that's a spoiler, but chances are, if you've read the Bible story, you know this. You know, no. <laughs> yeah. But my point is, you can see this is why Jehu is. So I tell the story of here's a man, and imagine being a man who's the head of the armies of King Ahab. You believe in Yahweh, but you also believe that the king is God's anointed one, right? Just like David, right? When David was attacked by Saul. Did he kill Saul? No, he said, no, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. Well, imagine Jehu's in the same position and Ahab is compromising and going down this hill into self-destruction for the land. And so how does Jehu balance his respect for authority, his respect for government, right? But also his his honor to truth and to Yahweh. And then it becomes very conflicted. And I think, again, this is a very... Uh, very relevant to today's world as well. So Jezebel is um, is that picture. There's something else that people are going to notice when they read the novel. You'll start reading and you'll notice her name is Isabel, Isabel of Tyre. Wait a minute, I thought it was Jezebel. What's going on here, right? And um, I bring out the fact that um, actually the name Jezebel in the Bible is actually a what's called a polemical insult. In other words, they're they're name calling her because. Uh, we found the archaeology has found the name Isabel, and it basically is this this calling out to Baal. Where is the prince? That's what the name means, right? And if you remember, I mentioned earlier she's connected to Baal, and remember that's what they 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 cry out when they're looking for the harvest. Where is the prince? Right. So her name was literally that calling out, and um, so. What the Bible writers transformed it, and Jezebel basically means there is no prince but dung, <laughs> literally excrement on the ground. And of course, there, there's a passage in Second Kings that says 
Second Kings nine, it says the court when, you know, uh, I think it's uh, Elijah's prophesying against Jezebel. And he says, the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field of Jezreel so that no one can say this is Jezebel. So when they were calling her Jezebel, they were like saying, you, you know, there is no prince, but the prince of dung. And that's what you are, you know? And so it's kind of interesting. So in my story, her name's Isabel. And it's not until Elijah starts calling her Jezebel and she finds out and she gets really ticked off at him right so that's another little one of these little things we, we may not pe- catch uh, we may not catch unless we sort of do some of the research yeah um adam here in chat says that uh he says uh, jezebel is translated as not exalted is that kind of the same thing it's yeah yeah like there is no but but here's the thing um so there's there's and now's the time where i'll mention if you buy the book jezebel there's a you can sign up and get a free companion book called the spiritual world of jezebel and elijah and in that book i lay out all the biblical and historical research that the novel was based on i tend to do this because i think a lot of christians like to have things explained and they like to hear the theological explanations behind things even though they enjoy the stories as well and in there i explain that uh there's uh a Jewish scholar, Jacob Milgram, talks about how there's, if you look at the, the transformation of the word Isabel, which is her actual name, you know, that, you know, Isabel is an anglicized version of Isabel, right? And he shows how you, you, if you parse it out, it basically means there is no prince or unexalted, but also the Zibul is transformed into what, what means feces or excrement. So it's sort of a friend is someone that can still help you even when they can't be there in person, like with a friendly new Bank of Ireland third level current account. With it, you get a debit card that's biosourced and actually made from 82% corn. How cool is that? And you can also partner it up with your phone to use Apple Pay to buy things, even if you don't have your card on you. You can apply for your friendly new third level current account in just six minutes at bankofireland.com forward slash student. Terms and conditions apply. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you have a prescription, it's easy to get yours at Boots. Ask your doctor to send us your script. Manage your prescription and reorder through the Boots app. Get a text when your prescription is ready. And our trusted pharmacists are always on hand for you to speak to. The list of reasons to get your prescription at Boots goes on and on and on. Boots, let's feel good. Valid prescription required, subject to availability. Charges may apply. See boots.ie for details. Like a double play on words that's going on there. Got time for a phone call? Sure. Let's uh, jump to this call here. Uh, let's see. Caller, you're live with True Seeker and Brian Godawa. Who are we speaking with? I don't hear him. I, I don't either. Hello, are you there? All right, I guess they're not there. Unless there's something going on. There might be something going on with the phone lines here. Let's see. Sorry. Type Uh-oh. out the question. <laughs> can't hear you i'm sorry something something's going on with the phone lines um one one thing we just we talked about and i feel like we've talked about it before but it's i think we should note it man it's just like you were saying what, what you do with the book is kind of like you're telling the villain story and um and this is it's, it's becoming popular now i mean joker you know this movie joker yeah. is a blockbuster hit um what is it um maleficent that story of yeah. the background of, of what happened, this beautiful queen or, that turned just evil, you game, know, and 
Game of Thrones, Peaky Blinders, all the TV series now are all, you know, Empire. They're all about basically th- thugs. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, like, you know, they they have a, a way of telling a story that, that, that make you hate the person. And then they tell the story, but then you love them. You start rooting for it. And you're like, hold on. I just forgot about all of this stuff that this person did and act like it didn't happen. But when you remember, like, hold on, you're really rooting for that guy. I mean, Walking Dead does it with all of their villains. Negan, the governor, um, uh, Breaking Bad does it. Uh, there's so many movies. And yeah. it, it's a new thing that's, that's you know, it's a change in, in storytelling a, a little bit. And I think it's I think it, think it works. It's yeah, it works. I, and look, I think there's a danger to it because what you're what you're indicating is when you if you're watching a story and you start to realize that you're rooting for criminals to get away with the crime just because they're not as bad as the bad guys who are trying to kill them, then that that's a moral. I think that that's a moral danger. You're changing your moral compass, and um, I think that it's becoming sort of nihilistic. And so I think there's a danger with these programs. I've seen, I've seen some of them myself and I don't like, I don't like them, but I also acknowledge sometimes if they're great storytelling, they draw you in with the story. So absolutely. I think it's something to be aware of and something to, to um, be careful with. However, the, the most ancient form of that is actually of the antihero is called the tragedy. And, you know, and of course, we're familiar with this from Shakespeare, right? And the notion of tragedies are when the hero is the villain from his perspective. One of my favorite all-time movies is Amadeus. And that's a case where Salieri is the villain, but he's actually the one telling the story. But it's a tragedy. And what's a tragedy? So a tragedy is where the hero has a, a, a major flaw and most heroic stories, the hero overcomes the flaw. So uh, in my story, Jehu is struggling with the flaw of tr- you know, uh, obeying God and obeying the king. Um, and Jezebel is struggling with, do I bring in sophistication and other gods or do I re- repent and convert to, uh, to Judaism? So, but the, the difference is in, 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 in a classical sense, if the hero overcomes the flaw, becomes a better person. That's called a comedy or an upending. But if the hero does not overcome the flaw and he lets the flaw take him over, then it leads to destruction. And a tragedy is technically a moral tale warning you, don't be like this. You don't want to be like this. Why? Because look at where it leads. And, and I'll, I'll gladly admit that there's a lot of these TV shows and movies that are tragedies. For instance, I would argue Breaking Bad was a, tr- a good tragedy because it had a very strong moral construct yeah. that what he was doing was wrong. Now, we do get to like Walter White, but in the end, he, his, his choices and his pathway led to self-destruction and you don't want to end up there so i would argue that's a, more of a tragedy but there are other cases where like you know maybe peaky blinders or uh, game of thrones where it's not so much that it's really just uh people vying for power and and they're all wicked yeah. and the one who's the most powerful wins and if you have a story where it's saying but basically saying, look, it, it all just comes down to power. That's called nihilism. And that's basically you have two choices in this world. You either believe in nihilism 
which is just power is God, or you believe in Christianity. I think, you know, because I think all the other religions, all philosophies can be reduced down to power, uh, but Christianity is like the creator God. And so that's kind of how I see the world. But, but so you see, my point is that, that um, uh, there's a danger and there's a subtle line difference between tragedy and anti-hero that's good. worship yeah it's just the way it the way it ends right it's the, it's all in the yeah. ending what about yeah. have you seen have you seen the the uh irishman not yet oh man is that one of those movies yeah oh yeah for sure for sure kind of like the movie blow you seen blow yeah uh, that's years yeah, ago but yeah in, yeah so ending. Uh, it again doesn't end well typed yeah if if it ends in self-destruction then that that could be a strong tragic moral message but if in the process it makes a hero out of these people um then and and you and you root for them and you're sad when they die yeah. rather than saying ah yeah this is right they deserved yeah. it you know what i mean are you That's still watching the, the walking dead no, you know, I gave up at season seven when when actually when they ended the the first Negan story, I know that he went on after that. But yeah. when he sort of had that Christ imagery by the tree with uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Rick. Rick had yeah. that sort of Christ scene, which is kind of cool, actually, uh, after that. And then I started watching the next season and I just it was yeah. just dumb yeah. to me. Negan, so uh, would would you yeah, recommend that it gets better? I think so, man. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, the first time I seen, you know what I'm saying, Jeffrey D. Um, Morgan on, on screen yeah. as Negan, I was like, you can kill everybody on this show and he can carry it by himself. Like, he can do yeah. it. And, yeah, no, absolutely. He's doing absolutely. it now. He's doing it now. Oh, really? He's like, he's reformed. He's been locked up oh, yeah? for years. And oh, okay. So now that's they're, my- starting to, they're starting to bring him back out. And now he's a, everyone thinks he's still that same old, you know, they, they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they remember what he did, but he's really had a transformation and they're trying to trust him. And it's a really, Oh, awesome story yeah that so. sounds interesting to me actually so now that's a different that's different because if if he's if he's transformed and he becomes a new character but he's got that baggage that's haunting him that's fine too yeah, yeah absolutely but, but then again it kind of goes back if we're looking at someone like negan or, or a lot of these other villains we've only kind of been following that story the walking dead and many other stories from the perspective of are people that started out like if we would have been following negan in his story and them trying to survive and doing what they can like you know they because it kind of it kind of did that of like blurring the lines of who is good and who is bad the only reason we think that negan is the bad guy because rick has probably even killed more people and done a lot more worse stuff but we kind of sympathize with him because we know his backstory Yes. No, that's a very good point. And and by the way, that's why I I loved but I loved Walking Dead. And one of the reasons why I loved it was and in the early seasons, they brought in a positive Christian spirituality uh, and it wasn't perfect. But, you know, I remember the old guy, the old father, he was the voice of conscience and he was a biblical Christian and he would quote the Bible. And it's like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know. And then they had that the black guy. I, I, you know, don't tell me what happened because I may you may have convinced me to start rewatching the series. Because I did like the Negan guy. So um, as a villain, he was a good villain. And to yeah. hear that he might change, that sounds interesting to me. But, but you know, they had the black guy who was a fake Christian. And I'm okay with that because there, there are fakes, you know. You're talking about the he priest? Coward. Yeah, the, yeah, oh, the priest. Yeah. He was yeah. a coward and he betrayed yeah. them. But then near the end of one of those seasons, yeah. he rose up and became heroic. And I'm yeah. like, that's that's cool, you know. So I loved what Walking Dead does with the character arcs of those stories. And what you're getting at is is character arc, you know. And yeah. that's why if you – oh, and so so when you have a hero like Rick, 
one of the one of the storylines that they started to develop, which I thought was good, was he's the classical hero. He's protecting everyone. But then one by one season is they're, they're killing so much that he starts to kill with with more of a I don't know what you'd call it, a vengeance or, a, you know, he becomes more killing than saving. And he starts to realize this and, and starts to go, you know, what maybe he's becoming like them, you know, that kind of a thing. And I think that's a total fair uh, moral quandary to explore uh, on, in a hero. And sometimes heroes do the wrong thing. So that's true too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the question is, is, but do they elevate the evil guys as being okay? That's the question, you know? And I don't think the walking dead did that at least for most of the seasons I watched, they had good villains uh, and a good villain makes you, you love to hate him, you know? So, yeah. Uh, let's talk about this right quick too. The, the whole, when, um, uh they say to to be successful in like starting a, a franchise or being a good writer that you have to create a universe, right? You got to have characters, you got to have villains, you got to have all these things. We look at Marvel, the Marvel universe is created. There's backstories, there's so much characters, even new characters that are being introduced and things like that. The Simpsons, like anything, there's there's these there's a whole universe of unique characters and um and uh, there's music, the, the insane clown posse. They have all of these characters and villains and, and spirits and stuff that they've created. And people are just immersed. And you you want to know about it all. You know, yeah. I want to know all, all of the stories. But it seems like you're tapping into a universe that already exists. And you're able to kind of tell some of these stories from a different angle. And you have all of these characters that you can kind of pick and choose from to kind of tell their story and say, oh, here he is. And this is kind of pointing to that and that kind of thing with, with the universe. Have you done any study on, on that whole aspect? Yeah. Of- no, absolutely. Tolkien and, and, and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, that that's why I think my series are successful. And the interesting thing is, is if you look at though the the continuity is kind of the bad guys because it's the bad guys who are eternal. Well, tech, uh, for lack of a better word, they're they're immortal, right? So they're the ones that exist from the beginning to the end. You know, the Watchers are in all my series. And yeah. all the gods, and, and sometimes they change identities and they move back and forth, just like a Walking Dead or something. But, you know, Bale, Bale shows up in several of my novels, including uh, David, Tri- uh, David, I can't remember what the, the full title is. I should know that. Uh, <laughs> David Ascendant. David Ascendant, my novel. Bale shows up in there, I think. And so, um, you know, they, but here's the other thing. So the, the, the connective tissue of the universe is the spiritual realm, and the spiritual realm is, is these demonic watchers, but I also have the archangels. And they are characters that are in all the novels, including Jezebel. And the main principle is the archangels are, like I mentioned earlier, Michael is, is biblically speaking, Michael is the prince of Israel. He's the protector of Israel. And so I show him in that, in that capacity in, in the Jezebel story. But I also have Gabriel and, and Raphael. There's, there, the Bible mentions, I think, three archangels. Um, if I'm, oh, no, I'm sorry, only two, Gabriel and Michael. And then you can get the other names of other archangels from the book of Enoch. Okay, again, it's not scripture, but, you know, whatever. Maybe it's true. Maybe it isn't. But I, I tend to, I tend to draw from that. So I have Raphael and, and Gabriel and, and Uriel. And so um, these four archangels are basically watching over the remnant. And who are the remnant? In the Bible, there's a th- theological thread called the remnant. And what it is, is this, is that the nation of Israel was 
watched over by Michael and their God allotted to Yahweh. But they, she kept falling away, kept falling away. And God kept judging her for it. Every time you do it, I'm going to punish you, even to the point where they worship these gods so extensively that God sent them into exile, destroyed the temple, destroyed the land, and put them into Babylon, right, for you know hundreds of years. And, and so that's part of it. It's so important to God that, that they not do this, that he punishes in that way. And then, of course, what happens is they keep apostatizing so that he says, you know what, one day uh, I'm going to send Messiah. <laughs> He's going to judge. He's going to judge and save. But... In the Old Testament, whenever he judged, he always had a remnant of true believers. What that meant was the whole nation was gone astray, but there's always a few thousand that still worshiped Yahweh alone. And in my story, I talk about this because, you know, there's a famous pastor who says, Elijah says, I, I alone am left. Everyone's worshiping Baal. And then he gets told, no, actually, yeah. there's 7,000 who didn't <laughs> bow the knee to Baal. And yeah. I'm like, who are those people? So I bring those people out in my story, Jezebel. They're yeah. called the remnant and the angels are watching over them while the other people are being judged to some degree by these other gods if that makes sense that, that's so, funny yeah, archangel that's, that's funny you bring that up that whole the whole seven thousand thing because there's a lot of people who feel that way like they're yeah. the only ones who are following god they're the only ones who are you know keeping the scriptures or whatever so, hold on you're crazy yeah <laughs> seven thousand <laughs> who have not you know then there's a lot more but go, go ahead no, you're right. That's a, I think that's a, that is a perfect lesson. It's like, sometimes you think you're the only one. That's well, don't be lesson. so arrogant. There's yeah. always some, you know what I mean? And that's another principle that go throughout my whole stories is the, that remnant and how, don't worry, don't worry. Things may be looking bad because things get really bad. And in Jezebel, let me tell you, I, I'd say it's rated PG-13, the book, um, but I, we've got human sacrifice, we've got war and battles, we've got beheadings and, you know, every kind of atrocity you can imagine and uh, sexual sin going on. Uh, we've got um, uh, sacred prostitution. Now, I don't go into R-rated details, but I definitely deal with the sins and show what how bad this world may have looked like and what's going on in the spiritual world at the same time. Um, but... Through it all, God is in control and he has a purpose. And what's that purpose? To bring about Messiah. And the whole, all my my universe, uh, the Chronicles universe is what I would call it. It's about what I call the war of the seed. What's the war of the seed? Back in the garden, when God cursed the serpent, yeah. he said, you know, I'm going to put enmity, enmity between your seed and the seed of Eve she shall crush your head, you shall crush his, his heel or bite his heel. It's actually the same word, crush, which is kind of interesting. But nonetheless, so this notion of the, 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 the woman crushing the head of the serpent is a messianic concept that began in the garden and projects all the way to Jesus Christ. And that's what's going on throughout all these stories is that battle between the people of God and the people of Satan or whatever you want to call it. Um, does, that end with pre does that end with preterism or is that still going? Because uh, uh, well, that, that, that's a good question. That's, I, good. that's really good because you're like, hey, here's the ending. It's it's written. It is right. finished. Now, it's ending, spiritually speaking, in the sense that, think about this. If the Old Testament it includes the law, the Torah to Israel, and all this stuff, looking forward to Messiah, but that same Old Testament uh, covenant included what I talked about in the very, very beginning, which was what? The allotment of the nations to the watchers. When the new covenant comes, when Messiah brings a new covenant, well, what? 
all the old covenant is gone and over with. And if you go back to that Psalm 82 that we were talking about, this might be a good time to do so because I, I think it's kind of fascinating. Psalm 82. Um, again, we're back to those gods and God's going to judge them. When's he going to judge them? At the very last verse, it says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, earth. you shall inherit all the nations. Now, I realize that some Christians believe that has to do with the future. That hasn't happened yet. But I argue in the Chronicles of the Apocalypse that it actually has happened because arise is the word aneste in Greek, in the Greek Old Covenant, Old Testament. It's the word that's used of resurrection in the New Testament. And the New Testament always draws from the Old Testament when it talks about rise. It always hints that that's the resurrection. So what it's saying is when Messiah comes, he's going to arise, his resurrection. Through the resurrection, he will take back, he will disinherit the nations from the gods. So when Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and then judged Israel and brought in the new covenant, that complex of events, he disinherited the nations from the watchers. He, the Apostle Paul says he, he, uh, Made a he dragged them. Even it talks he, about, yeah. Spectacle, the Roman triumph. He dragged them, the watchers, through the streets um, in, in, in triumph. That's what that word triumph is, a reference to the Roman triumph where the, superior, the victorious generals dragged the losing generals and, and his leaders through the streets of the city to say, and, and then they killed them. Basically, yeah. that's, what, that's what happens. So Paul says that that's what happened when Jesus died, rose from the dead, and ascended. And then Jesus, so you got to understand this picture. In the Old Testament, all the Gentile nations are under these authority of these, these watchers, and, and there's only one holy people of God, Israel. Now, when Messiah comes, all those watchers are disinherited. They're taken down and destroyed. And now people from every tribe and every nation that's good. Can be, come to Messiah without having to come to the old covenant to to, Jude, to Judaism. They come directly to Messiah, and that's the whole point of the new covenant. Is the new covenant is the disinheriting of the nations of the Watchers. Messiah Jesus now owns the allotment to their territories. Does that make sense? Hell yeah, Heck yeah. it's really it's really good. I, I love that's I love why the way I believe you... the New Testament. That's why I believe the New yeah. Testament is the judgment. Some Christians, a lot of Christians, believe no, no, that's all in the future. But I believe that yeah. happened in the past, and that's why the gospel can now bring people. That's why uh, Satan cannot hold the nations deceived anymore. They can come to the gospel. They, before they couldn't. They were all yeah. in bondage to these other, you know, watchers. Yeah. But now that doesn't mean there's no more evil. And there's no demonic spirits. Yeah. You know, of course, I, I, I believe that there's still demonic activity and all this, but that's at a low level. Uh, at the high level of the authorities, they're, they're gone. They're wiped out. Now it's just sort of like, uh, you know, uh, terrorist cells without leaders. You know, that's what the demons are, right? That's how I picture it. I understand. Yeah, that's a good way to look I'm at not it, entirely sure. I mean, I like, that, I, I like that you paint the overview, you know, just letting people know that, you know, in Genesis, we, we have the, uh, the, the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. And that's gone out throughout the entirety of the Bible. And then the end of that. Uh, was done when 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 Christ you know uh, he said it's finished and it's like the end of it. and then Revelations just like the, an overview of everything that happened. Let me give you an overview: yeah. this war against this woman and this dragon. Again, these two women, 
you know, these two seeds that are that are fighting and, and the whole time. And uh, and, and, and it comes to a head through Christ. The, the, and we are the bride of Christ. And Revelation talks about the woman and the dragon and the, the whole the harlot and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of giving you the overview of these two women fighting yeah. and uh, and who wins and, uh, and, and, like, and who won. Who, not who wins, but who won, you know? Yeah, exactly. In the spiritual realm, it's. And and of course that doesn't mean that we we, you know, we still have wars and nations and great heinous evil. Many Christians tell me, um, so so what you're indicating is the Chronicles of the Apocalypse. If you want to go to the end, read read my series Chronicles of the Apocalypse because it tells that story. Uh, but uh, if you want to go through the whole thing, you know that's fine too. But whatever. But many Christians will tell me, well, wait a minute. So if you're saying that happened. Then, then how can you explain all the great evil that's going on? Islam and world wars or whatever, wars and stuff. It's like, how can you explain all this evil? And to which I say, you need to you need to explain this evil as demons or watchers. It's like, no, humanity is evil. We deserve hell. You can't blame shift our evil onto something else. Sure, in the past, uh, and sure, there are demons that may influence people to some degree or haunt you or whatever. But but it's like, no, humanity itself is evil. We don't need watchers to engage in mass murder and genocide. We do that on our own. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it almost degrades. It almost makes our evil less if you're saying like all this stuff is from demons or all this stuff is from yeah. watchers, you know? So that's my argument about okay. that. Now tying in, you know, the, we talk about the, all these gods and they demanded worship and they demanded child sacrifice and they were honored with blood and things like that. And it would send yeah. harvest and stuff like that. So the, in, in the conspiracy realm, there would be people to say that, that, that there's people are still trying to do that. These people who remember the old way and they remember the old covenant that they had with these old gods um, and people who were in high seats of power now different governments different nations of the earth that still worship yes. the dragons and stuff like that that they're still uh creating wars or creating catastrophes so that people die and these man-made catastrophes and wars are ways that these nations are honoring the old gods to, so that they would remain blessed uh by offering blood you know the mayans would do it um yes. and you know ancient but like it's still being carried out today. What, what, how would you respond yes. to that? Well, I believe, uh, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist type, so I, t I tend to not trust conspiracy theories. Uh, but the problem is, is that conspiracy theories ruin it for real conspiracies, and there are real conspiracies. Um, so, uh, um, Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at Chumba Casino. Casino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But uh, the way I understand that is this, is that I do believe there are people doing a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, 
worshiping the old gods and all that kind of stuff and pagan religion and, and trying to take over the world and all that kind of stuff. I believe there's a lot of that going on. And, and I, you know, to what extent they're actually controlling things, I, I don't know. But, but I do believe there are people who are seeking to, yeah, to return, nostalgia speaking, return to the pagan world of power and the old gods. Absolutely. Does that mean they exist? I don't think they need to. Again, what that tells me is if you want to believe that there are real gods behind that, real demons behind that, fine. But I, you don't need them because all it says is man is so evil that even after the watchers have been defeated, man continues on as evil. And the gospel is going forth and the, go- you know, the gospel doesn't change the world overnight. It takes, you know, centuries or millennia, who knows how long. But the point is, is that. Man is still evil, and man's still going to long for the the past. The when oh, when we were under the Watchers, so of course he's going to go back to those old religions and try to recreate them and try to do them. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But it doesn't mean that they're real or those beings are any more there. Uh, it just means man is so evil that he will continue to worship what isn't there any longer. You know that kind of a thing. That's how I see it. Yeah. But I, I look, I, I have colleagues that who's I'm on their shows, uh, their podcasts who di- who disagree, who think, oh, no. And they make arguments that, the, you know, for example, there is a God. There is a uh, one of these demonic watchers behind Islam. You know? Honestly, I would have to say that I would I, I like that idea. <laughs> and I, I, it's a great narrative and a great story. Uh, it's tempting to believe it. But here's my point. I keep getting back to this. It's like, do we follow the best? Um, do we follow the thing that's most entertaining to us? Or do we follow what is the truth? And if you have to realize this, this is really important. If you believe there are territorial powers over nations, you are saying that Messiah has not inherited the nations and that they are still in bondage to the old covenant. You're saying the old covenant is still in effect and the new covenant is not here. Messiah has not won the victory. That's what you're saying because, uh, because the watchers were part of the old covenant and it's the old covenant that's been abolished and the new covenant is here. So, so to me, the power of the gospel and the new covenant is far outshine. That narrative far outshines the other tempting entertaining narratives of there being watchers behind uh, nations today that's how i would yeah. answer that um there's there's um and I, i'm not the one to really break this down and explain it but there's this essence of like the the like whatever a nation is doing the type of that it creates a operational frequency over that okay. nation like and i feel like you can cross a border sometimes and feel it like you have something different about this place you know something's different yeah. about this state um and so eric dollard uh he's he's a physicist but he talks about like like they have these uh it almost looks like entities that were like over nations because of the sound the frequency the vibration that you know the smog of the city that rises the coloration the plants and all of this kind of stuff that almost looks like something that's even over the people not from a principality controlling them but their vibration and what they're doing creates a essence if you will that's over that state not being controlled from from above but their 
vibrational, like create almost like creating an entity or something. That's a this is this is one of my more interesting uh, interviews that I've had because I, I appreciate your your unique stuff that you're bringing up. It's fascinating stuff. Look, I I believe there's some reality to that. What that really is and what it really looks like, I'm not sure. But um, I like you're saying. Uh, the, or the way I like to put it, the, uh, the concrete example that, that, I, that I always look to is the mob. You know, like if you look at, look at what's been going on in America and how there's this mob spirit mentality and it starts to grow and grow and people get bolder and bolder. And then when people are in a group, when they group together, they tend, something transcendent occurs that they act in ways that they wouldn't act alone, right? Yeah. And so we've got all these riots that have been going on with Antifa and stuff that, that these, these um, and they're so driven by hatred and violence, but they, they, the law, obviously, you know, they, know, they don't want to break the law and go to jail at first, but the more they congregate, the more that the fever pitch rises to the point where they start, they cover themselves up with masks so they can't be, so they'll be anonymous. And then they start engaging in violence and, they're, and the violence is increasing. So I think that that's an example of what you're saying, where the more people are of one mind in their evil, which is kind of reminds you of Babel, right? The, yeah. That's the power of humanity. And God sees it. Hold on. What are yeah. these people doing? I got to yeah, judge yeah. them. So, I got to send an angel down. I have to send a principality absolutely. to go and, 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 you know what I'm saying, deal with them. Because it talks about our sins being in, in, in our prayers and our alms. All of the, everything that we do is like an incense or an aroma yeah. that's it's, before it, the nostrils of God. He's like, hold on. What is these, it ha- these people It has doing? real spiritual ramifications. Yeah. And I, of course, like I said, even though I believe that the watchers were, were uh, defeated at the cross, um, that doesn't the spiritual world still exists and there's, there's still rogue demons and there's still, like we're saying, humanity is essentially spiritual and that hasn't changed. And there's a spirituality about humanity when we unite in evil uh, or good. I mean, yeah. you know, when good people unite, there's also a victorious yeah. thing that happens that transcends us. So I agree that there's something to that. Absolutely. And, but it, you know, I would argue it doesn't have to be a watcher, but it certainly is transcendent spiritual evil. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I won't it, deny it, that. Yeah. You don't have to call it a watcher or a principality. Yeah. And, um, and, and some people might say, well, see, Brian, it's, yeah, well, then you're just saying the same thing, but calling it by a different term. I don't know. All I know is I want to be biblically faithful to the fact. Get Sky Sports and Sports Extra, half price for six months. What an opportunity here. Watch old rivals take on new competition in the Autumn Nations Cup live on Premier Sports. That's wonderful work. Enjoy 12 exclusive international rugby clashes. Said it again. Get Sky Sports, BT Sports and Premier Sports all half price for six months. Oh, that's a strong finish. Search Sky Sports Sale today. New sports customers only. Standard pricing applies after six months or cancelling one element of the bundle. Minimum term and further terms apply. Charge up for family adventures with the Land Rover range of plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. With pioneering hybrid technology, the Land Rover range offers the perfect balance of efficiency, power and performance, both on-road and off, making every journey effortlessly refined. Enjoy the road less travelled with ease. Explore the 2021 Land Rover range of plug-in hybrids at LandRover.ie. Land Rover. Above and beyond. That Jesus had victory over the watchers, because that's what I know the Bible says that. And I know he says he had victory over the powers, and he defeated them. And that that is why people can come to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I tell people the gospel, knowing that they're bound in sin, I tell them, 
I would I would hardly have hope if it weren't for the fact that Christ won that victory, because otherwise they'd still be in bondage to deception. Yeah. And so I preach the gospel and God, the Holy Spirit uses that gospel of good news of Christ to change them because Jesus rose from the dead and had victory and ascended to heaven, you know, <laughs> defeated him. Yeah, man, it's good stuff. Um, So we're, we're talking about movies and stuff, you know, and, and all these television shows. <clears throat> You're looking to have your, this script uh, turn into a movie as well, right? Ah, yes, indeed. Actually, the origin of Jezebel was I was hired to write the script years ago. We've been working on it for years. It's an independent production. So um, and they're still trying to raise money. And, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to get a movie made. I don't know where it is at. Um, I don't necessarily the producers don't tell me much until something happens. Uh, but I got the rights to write the novel. And um, that's what I did this year. And hopefully maybe it'll draw some attention and maybe there'll be more interest in it. I don't know. Um, but I will say this, though, that I, I don't have I bring in the spiritual dimension more in the novel. It's not it's not so much in the movie. In the movie, it's more like Braveheart or, you know, like a traditional movie. And I have hints at the spiritual world because, look, you've only got two hours. And if you're going to tell the Bible story and then you're going to if I added this, the spiritual dimension, it would just be it would be a it would be a, a TV series, which, by the way, I prefer it to be a TV series yeah. with maybe the novel will inspire that. Maybe they'll go, hey, you know what we have here? Maybe we have a TV series. You so definitely have a long enough universe you know and yeah. script and storyline so absolutely it totally could work man yeah brian so i, I we'll appreciate see. this interview man uh you know it's always a pleasure to talk to you we connect on so many issues and, and things and i love Likewise, the way you, you look at uh seeing god's hand in everything in these movies and the scripts and the allegory and all of that stuff it's beautiful and I, my mind works that way too brother uh go ahead and give the best link man if people want to um purchase the book and, and check out more about what you do what you bring to the table what's the best place for them to check that stuff out at yeah, all my books are in ebook, paperback, and audiobook exclusively at Amazon. You can find out everything you can't want there, you know, great book descriptions, all this stuff. But if you want to go into more depth and detail and really explore this stuff, my website, gadawa.com. I have all my book series there. I have free articles, free scholarly articles, artwork, all kinds of cool stuff. I may, it will, is worth your while to check out the, the website and see what I got going there. But if you want to just look into it, into buying the novel Jezebel or anything else, everything's exclusively at Amazon. And it's a number one bestseller. Oh, yeah, that's right. Biblical fiction, number one bestseller, uh, Jezebel. Absolutely. Just so, sits there. Uh, Just sits there yeah. at the number one spot. Yeah, baby. I love it. And then don't <laughs> forget the companion book, uh, The Spiritual World of Jezebel and Elijah, which will help fill out that theological background, too. Oh, good stuff, man. Well, hey, I enjoyed it, brother. Uh, let me know when you want to do it again. We'll make it happen. And when you start a podcast, I need you to have me on. <laughs> I, I will. I promise For you. sure. All right, brother. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Later. Brian Godawa, ladies and gentlemen, good brother, man. He's uh, man, the universe and he's consistency and putting all that stuff out. And he's got a he's got a, a plethora of of work, a plethora of books and 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 all of this stuff that he's been bringing to the table for a while. And always a pleasure to talk to him. And kind of I like how he said this was one of the better interviews that he's done. I like to, I, you know, I don't want to be traditional. You know, a lot of times when you interview people, you have a uh, an outline of questions that they want you to ask them. It's just talking points, you know, about the book. Maybe I didn't read the whole book or whatever, but I know the outlines and they give it to you. Some people send you like 
they'll tell you, I only want you to ask these questions. I don't really want to interview those people. You know, I get publicists that email me, only ask them this, don't deviate. They want me to send them a sheet of questions I'm going to ask them so we don't, you know, go off a track or whatever. But nah, I want to have a genuine conversation with these people. Brian Gadawa, man, a great mind and, uh, you know, very artistic and, and very much into the, the story, the myth, the lessons, the legends and the allegory, which uh, if you're not into that, then you're not really into the scriptures. You're missing a whole bunch. So a lot of good stuff. And I, and uh, so make sure you just support his work. Good, good brother. I will say that I'm intrigued. And what I kind of learned out of this was, uh, Painting the picture of, you know, going back and looking at some of the Psalm 82 stuff and uh, the gods or whatever, like looking at these people. Because, like I said, th- there's a lot of people who believe that the gods of Psalm 82 and the gods of the Bible were these uh, people who are patriarchs even who were to lord over or watch over um, Israel. Now, if they I guess if they were there was maybe a belief that they were you know connected to the stars or their essence was someone else like from heaven but that god gave them the law and they brought it and they were to keep it and uphold it and and just in my mind's working just to be honest it's really interesting to think about that there's people who believe that they're regular people though like these were regular people who they were called gods and it was just a title like a lord or so and they were just regular people but it's almost like if you was to believe that narrative that they were regular, that they weren't regular people, that they were immortals that were here to watch over uh, the the people. And when they sinned, that's when Yahweh cut them off. OK, you were you're a God. We gave you these special abilities. We gave you the, uh, you know, what I'm saying ruling and authority power over the nations. But you started getting taking worship for yourself and 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 uh, performing wickedness and all of these kind of things that are noted of in a lot of other books whether there's a spirit behind these people uh but it says today you'll die like men and then we look back at um how long these people were leaving uh, living i don't know what really and I'm just as a student of the word and and just uh, entertaining some of these ideas the interesting thing for me is to want to know how long did the average person live because i know we look at we read the scriptures and we we read about someone who lived for 500 years 400 years 300 years there's uh 900 years there's uh you know, talk about the air was different. There was less sin. The earth was new. So there's a different density in the, in the atmosphere. So it allowed people not to age as quickly as we age. And there's a lot of different theories, but I wonder if these, and and this is just a theory. I wonder if they were immortal. I wonder if Noah, if, if Moses and all these people were, you know what I'm saying? Um, immortal and the regular people were the regular people. Were they just, bound to a hundred years like did they you know i know it it's, we talk about after the flood like that's a that's a thing too because it says that you'll be limited to what is it a hundred years 130 years i can't remember right off but after the flood you know that people would be limited to that and then but then we see people going past that again the regular humans or the other other people outside of israel if anybody has any uh information about when when they died like regular you know pagan people or i don't think the bible goes into a lot of detail but i'm sure it's in there somewhere maybe we could do a word search just under um the word looking up the word years in a in a uh Bible search book and it'll tell you how many years that they died. So let's see. Let me just look that up while we're here. So I got Esword pulling up for you guys who are listening. I'm just going to look this up while we're here just to see. And um, 
I'm going to type in years with a uh, an S. So instead of like the year of King so-and-so, but years. So many. Okay. Um, for signs and seasons and days and for years, Adam lived 130. That's what Adam lived. Um, Seth, 800 years. See that? This is, look, I'm telling you, you want to study your Bible, man. You got to get this Strong's Concordance and you just type in any word and you got the Greek and Hebrew and, and all of that stuff. Let's see. Lived 105 years. Let's see who they were. Enoch, uh, 365 years. Now, what about these? I don't know, like, if it's going to go into um, the pagans. 30 years. Two and thirty, so that's two hundred and thirty. This is uh, Reu. Eber lived four hundred and thirty years. Sala thirty years. And we got Eber. So, like, you have to do the genealogy, like tracing these people back, um, just to see, like, like again, like these people being of Israel, of this, of the seed of the, uh, of the woman versus the seed of the serpent, right? How long was were the serpents living? It almost seems like they had to commit injustices and fornications and like and and perform these rituals to continue to live. Uh, through Christ, we have everlasting life, right? And that's what He promises that He that you will come into ever everlasting life. Those who trust in Him, who who follow righteousness, you will inherit everlasting life. But so there's this understanding of annihilation that when you die, if you're not in Christ, then you, you don't exist anymore when you die. Um, so for, for like the opposite, we, we live forever spiritually. Now there's a whole another realm of people who are trying to live forever. You know, now as a whole movement of people who, who, who are just in this belief system that they're not going to die, that they've transcended death and they've, they're walking in the newness of God. So they're not going to age anymore. And I don't want to rain on, on the parade. I do think that's a form of escapism. Um, I, I do think it were promised to th- at least this flesh anyway, to, uh, to return back to the mother, uh, mother earth and in our spirits to go and, and be with the father in, in eternity and, and what that looks like. But for those who are trying to find physical immortality, like they're doing it, like they're like, as far as the making covenants and pacts with with uh, demonic entities and whether we want to call them principalities or demons or devils or the old gods, the pagan gods, they're making blood covenants and, and offering sacrifices of children and all of that stuff. Kind of like we were talking about what people and nations believe were still, uh, you know, what I'm saying happening uh it's still happening today. People believe that for immortality. I mean, you got so much weird occult like stuff that they're doing to try to escape death. Why? Uh, for, for one, what happens when you die? Well, it is appointed for once for a man to, to die. And then after that, it's the judgment. They're trying to escape the judgment because they have uh, taught wickedness. They've done so much wickedness. They're scared to face God. So they're trying to, to trying to live forever, whether it's through technology, whether it's through, again, taking the blood of young children and put it in, in, in their blood so they feel more youthful and, and um, you know what I'm saying, vitality and all, all of this stuff. And they're trying to preserve themselves. They're trying to escape judgment and live forever. But true 
everlasting life is found through Christ and found through the gospel. So choose life that you might live. Choose Christ, man. Repent of your sins. Don't do wickedness. Like there's death and decay that comes with that. But with the goodness of God, with the mercy of Christ comes everlasting life that he defeated death. There's no more fear and death anymore because Christ defeated it. And it's beautiful that that's what Brian's bringing to the table through these stories and through the allegory is still bringing the victory. It still points to Christ. Like everything in the Old Testament points to the Messiah. Everything like each book, Jesus is in the book. Like there's there's metaphors, there's uh, people who represent him. There's Melchizedek, who is, you know, all of these kind of people that would show up throughout the scriptures, whether you want to say it's the angel of the Lord. But there's so much allegory and and and, and pointing back to Jesus it, just as they were two. This gets deep, man. Just like there were two women, as as Brian's talking about the seed of the woman. And the seed of the serpent that fought throughout the whole whole scripture, they're fighting and the revelations is an overview of this woman that this this entity that was a snake in the beginning. It was a snake in the garden throughout the years. Now we're at the end of the book and revelations and this snake becomes a dragon that the seed of the, the, the woman has to fight in which the seed of the woman is us. I believe it's the the bride of Christ and, and, and that victory is done through Christ. Um, but you have the two women, but now you have the two men who are the two men It's Adam. In the second Adam, which, which when Adam comes to the scene, the fall of man happens through Adam, sin enters into the earth. And then that, because of that sin, going back to what I said, decay and wickedness and all of that, it's, the things that, to repent really means to have a, a change of heart, a change of mind, turn from the things that are killing you, turn from the things that are bringing decay in your life. If you don't like the, the, the Christian Bible or, whatever, or even terminology, listen, it's applicable. Turn from the things that are hurting you, you know, addictions, um, you know, traumas, hurts, like find a healing, man. Turn from that stuff and change the way that you think, change the way that you look at it. But through Adam, sin entered the earth and things started to die. Things started to 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 uh, wither away. Um, but through Christ is called the second Adam. So Christ comes into the scene to reverse the curse. Everything that Adam jacked up, everything that Adam messed up, Christ came to restore and bring back that peace upon the earth. So that's what it's found in Christ, the newness of life that we can walk in in, in the spirit and uh, and we have forgiveness of our sins that we don't have to pay for the wrong. We don't have to pay for everything that we've done that Christ already paid for it. His blood covers a multitude of sins. The scripture says, cursed is anything that hangeth upon the tree. When Christ took, went to the tree, Christ carried the cross and went to that. He became a curse for us. He who knew no sin, the most righteous person who ever lived, never sinned. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can be called the righteousness of God. And that's what he did. That's the beauty of it. Um, and, and you could take that to the bank. Believe it. Put your faith in it. Try it. Your mind's trying to rationalize other things. Try it. Try it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ask him to reveal himself to you. I guarantee you he will. It's a, a beautiful song and dance, and all of these things are a part of it. Again, I, I go into a lot of detail about this in my new book, Spirit Realm, Angels, Demons, Spirits, and the Sovereignty of God, this whole song and dance. But my book as well ends with Jesus. The book points to Jesus. It's all of this song and dance of these demons and spirits and entities. But at the end, the great spirit, 
the one who has authority over all of these principalities and powers and, and, and the one who defeated death in the grave. And uh, so check it out if you haven't checked out my book as well. So with that, I'm going to say peace and shalom. Really enjoyed this interview. I love speaking to Brian Gadawa. I don't have a lot of people uh, on the podcast as returning guests. There's only been a couple over the years, but uh, Brian, this is his third time and uh, I really enjoyed it. And so I want to have some more uh Pe- uh, people on here uh we're booked out to uh shoot uh going into february at this point um so we're booked out like two months going into three so um r- really interesting got some good guests lined up for you guys if you'd like to become a guest or you want to advertise on the podcast we have advertising opportunities available now go to truthseeker.com backslash advertise and uh yeah you can uh have your book, your service, whatever you got, you know, promoted to or inserted into our entire catalog of episodes, which at this point right now, when you're listening to this on December the 19th, we have like right under 270. And if you're listening to this a few years from now, we're probably going to have a lot more. So um, check out what we got. Check out the back uh, episodes. And this, like I said, this is the third episode that I did with Brian. And they've all been good. They've all been good. I always get scared because I know I, I, I like repeat myself and like, but it never happens, though. Like, we still have a good conversation because uh, when I interview somebody like, I've already got these questions I want to ask him, like that I want to know, not that he sent me, but hey, I want to know about this, man. Let me ask you about this. I want to get your take on it. And so I always ask him that. So like in the first interview, most of the times I'm like, I don't got nothing else to ask you. So I guess after that, it just kind of turns into some more dialogue and coming up with things on the spot. And a lot of times through like genuine conversation, they'll say one thing that will trigger a question. He'll say this. I'm like, oh, that ties into this or that ties into that. Do you see a connection or no? And I think that's what we did today as well. But um, I I love his books, love what he's doing. Make sure y'all check his stuff out. Um, So I'm going to jump off here. Let's see. Thanks, everybody, hanging out in the chat, man. Everybody hanging out on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch, Periscope, wherever you're watching, man. Thank you guys for for hanging out. Um, Shout out to everybody. Flying Penguins, been reading your comments, man. Some good stuff. Christy Johnson. Battle list. Shout out to you. Uh, everybody else hanging out. Tina. Uh, everybody. Adam Starseed. Uh, Savanam Baba. Let's see who else we got. Teal Empress. Uh, bunch of people. Adam Starseed Bay. Everybody listening. Love you guys, man. Uh, we'll do it again. Make it happen. Peace, peace. Have a book, product, or service you'd like to promote? Yeah. Look no further. Ad slots and commercials are now available for you to get the word out about what you do on the Truth Seeker Podcast. We give you what you need. Engage the spiritual community and get yourself instantly in front of thousands of listeners who explore the spiritual, paranormal, supernatural, religious, and metaphysical realms. Have your commercial inserted into our entire archive of episodes. That includes the one with Jordan Maxwell, James Gilliland, Dr. Michael Heiser, and that weird one with Busy Bone from Bone Thugs and Harmony. Stop sleeping on yourself. Know your worth. Let's get the word out today about what you have to offer. Head on over to truthseeker.com and click on advertise for more info. That does it for this.
next episode, folks. To hear more episodes of the Truth Seeker podcast, head over to truthseeker.com. And if you're wanting to support the show and get rewards, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash truthseeker. Our best ever Sky Black Friday offer is here. Get Sky Q with the TV you love all in one place. An ultra-fast Sky Broadband for our best Wi-Fi all around your home. Plus, you can choose from Sky Sports or Sky Cinema. All for just €55 a month for 12 months. Don't miss Sky's best ever Black Friday offer. Just search Sky Black Friday. New customers only. Availability subject to location. Minimum term and further terms apply. For more info, see sky.ie slash speeds. Offer ends November 30th. Ah, audio via your smart speaker. A wonderful hands-free experience, leaving you more time to unwrap a miniature whisper. Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today. Stay at home and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together. 